Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the sexiest show on earth, The Coffin Joecast, featuring your hosts, Killer Wilbur and Joel. Sit back, relax, and don't touch the co-hosts. They might bite. G'day, and welcome to The Coffin Joecast. I am Killer Wilbur. I'm Joel. And our third co-host for this week is uh, Jeff from the Creepercast. G'day, Jeff. Hey, g'day, sir. It's g'day. been a long time since you and I have talked together on yeah, our show. Exactly. I used to. So I am very, very happy to be here. And and of course your your co-host there, Joel. I haven't talked to him on our show in forever either. So I'm glad to be here with both of you. It's Excellent. been a while. It's been, been a while. while. <laughs> the last time. Speaking of which, the lead singer of Stained. Uh, I forgot his name. Aaron something. He uh he's doing country music now. But anyway, the last time I talked to you actually, Jeff, was I think the episode that we talked about introducing horror films to your kids and we talked a lot about Scooby Doo and Ghosts. Reggie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I already did it once, but g g g ghosts. So um just a quick update from last week's show, if anyone was worried or anything, Donna's doing fine. For those who don't know, I had to cut the show short last week. Donna was in a lot of pain. Um, turned out she's had uh, bronchitis, severe bronchitis, 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 and um, plural of bronchitis. Yeah, and she was in a lot of pain. She had an extreme migraine. She was in the in a lot of pain. I had to call a doctor to come to the house. Um, luckily, we've got a good uh, healthcare system here in Australia, um, and it didn't cost us anything. We just put it on our Medicare, use our Medicare card, and. Uh, they bulk bill us, or bulk bill the government, and uh, yeah, got that sorted, but unfortunately I've got a friggin' cold or a flu now too, so I think I've got some germs off her, so I've been sick all week, so if my so, my voice sounds a bit crackly, that's why I've got sore throat, congested nose, but yeah, what were you going to ask, Joel? So the, the doctor comes to your house, right? Yes. Now, when the doctor gets there, do you have to wait for 15 minutes before he actually does anything? No, we actually had to wait about three hours before they <laughs> showed up. But no, we, there's something I've only found out about this in the last like six months. There's a number you call. Uh, the phone number is one three six for anyone in Australia, um, and a doctor will come to your house. Um, might take you a few hours, but it, especially on like Sundays or late at night when you cannot cannot get to a GP, you can call them and they come to your house. Uh, they bulk bill you, and um, so there's no money need to be exchanged, and uh, they'll do what they need to do, check you out, give you prescriptions, and so yeah, because it was su- Sunday last week, I couldn't take it to our, our regular GP, so that's what we did, and yeah, first time I've had to use them, and hopefully it's the last, because <laughs> if someone's that sick, you have to call the doctor of the house, it's, it's never fun, but... GP. General Practitioner. That's what I thought. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't different over in Australia. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, it's the same. So. Oh. 
say it could have been anything. So, <laughs> right. I was looking. For, I was. I, I was wondering too. I was. I was going to ask if Joel had, and, and I'm also glad you pointed out that that phone number is only for people in Australia because I was ready to call it. Yeah, that's just an Australian number. Will they come over here? (laughs) It might take them about uh, three days, but yeah. Mm. And it might cost you a bit more. Do you have the healthcare system over there that will cover the flight? (laughs) 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 Yeah, I know you don't. (laughs) Ah, yes. It's one good thing about Australia. We do have a, a good healthcare system. We pay for it through our tax. We pay a Medicare levy out of our pay each week, but it goes into the government coffers to cover... Um, yeah, medical bills like for doctors. Certain doctors do charge, but all you do is pay the difference between the the regular rate and whatever they charge. But yeah, so just send the bill to John Jarrett. But well, not John Jarrett, Peter Garrett. Sorry, Peter Garrett, John Jarrett. No, you don't want to see John Jarrett. <laughs> you come to my country. It's safe. Um, but yeah, um, the government wants to change it too. So you got to pay a, a seven dollar fee. Yeah, that's how seven whole dollars. That's yeah. like that's like eighteen dollars here. But yeah, that in the budget they want to change it so you can't bulk bill a doctor. You're still going to pay seven dollar fee, which is supposedly got to go into research for diseases. But well, hmm. uh, who knows? With this Tony Abbott, anyway. Enough about stupid Australian politics. <laughs> I always seem to come back to that though. I don't understand. Oh, no. oh, it's. It's constantly being brought up about this budget that Tony Abbott laid down, and he's actually trying to reform it now because he's got so much bad um, press about it, and um, his rating went down, and so he's <gasps> yeah, he's his numbers. No, went I just down. had a good idea. What T- Tony Abbott should run for prime minister, and he should have like he is prime. I don't minister. know what they have like a oh well, he should have like a, his <laughs> vice prime minister uh, should be. Oh, his okay. His deputy prime minister. His name should be Costello. <laughs> you know what the funny thing is? There was a minister called Costello. I can't remember his first so, name at the moment, but yeah. So they'd be Abbott and Costello. Yeah, don't worry. That that had been um, used before because Tony Abbott was in the, the parliament before he came prime minister. He was one of the ministers, and there was another minister called uh, Costello, who was the treasurer when John Howard was the Prime Minister. So don't you worry. The the press have used that Abbott and Costello line a few times. So. Damn it, I'm late. Yeah, you're late. you got to catch up. Well, an Abbott and Costello a... line is never too... You can't overuse an Abbott and Costello line. Yeah, well, who's, exactly. who's on first? <laughs> exactly. That's the other thing. <laughs> anyway, let's get to our... The only question we really asked till the end of the show, well, let's ask Jeff. Podcasting question... <laughs> What got you into podcasting? I know you do a podcast. Um, were you a listener first, or did you start doing podcasts and then started listening? So what's your podcast story? Oh, uh, well, funny story, which I'm sure Joel hears this story all the time nowadays. No, actually, I, I started out as a listener. I was uh, very new to podcasts back when I first, you know, I don't know, a few years ago when I went back to college. It, I guess it's more like 10 years ago now. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, and uh, what I, well, for the first reason why I started getting into podcasting is I was really into this Portland, Oregon radio station that was uh, done by a guy named Rick Emerson. And he always released the shows as podcasts, and I didn't know he had done that until you know I had discovered iTunes and the whole pod, you know, the whole podcast thing. And then when I was looking for other stuff going, okay, I wonder what else is out there, I came across this awful show 
Yeah. This awful show. <laughs> anyway. We've never heard yeah, of that before. What's this thing you talk about? <laughs> it's an awful show, which seems to come up as an answer to this question regularly. But anyway, yes, the awful show. Well, that's because I think we had. I, I think most of us that are into podcasting have them to blame for the fact that we thought we could do it too. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Now the what drew me into this show was that I loved it. It, it was this. It, there was this great combination of four different guys, extremely different personalities, who were just having fun, pulling pranks. You know all the fun stuff that you know the, all the jerky boy stuff that we liked. I was getting into. Uh, you know I loved the mic. I loved Nero. And then Joel. You know was I was really getting into Joel's stuff because he was putting out the music shows, and uh, and I loved the way they were inspiring. You know, listeners to get involved, and uh, and I actually had taken a stab at getting involved one time, and I had like overproduced this uh, thing one time. I think I wrote an email in that had something to do with I worked at a Kmart store at the time, and oh, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I had sent in an email, and I don't even remember what the email was about, but they had dared me to say to uh, say something over the loudspeaker, so I did this like really long. Um, overproduced thing that I sent in to them about me announcing something over the loudspeaker, <clears throat> which, by the way, was easy to get away with because I worked midnights at a store that closed at 11 o'clock at night, and I was the only one there. Oh, that takes some of the magic away. I know, but this is like, you know, what, five, six years later, I'm dropping that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess there's like a, a moratorium on it, I suppose. but. <laughs> But uh, but uh, ultimately, it was uh, you know feeling like I belonged to the podcast community at that point. Hang, you know, talking to really cool people like Sea Monkey and you yourself, Killa. Yeah. And uh, it, you know, after a while, I was talking to my buddy Jason, and we were really going to get into this politics thing. And uh, because and I was basically going to be the dissenter of all politics while I was dealing with a bunch of right wingers. And I, you know, my heart wasn't in that, but my heart has always been into horror films. So uh, Jason and Jason and I have always like discussed horror films together as it was. In fact, the three guys, the three of us, Jason and Mike and I used to get together during college, get really drunk and um, talk nonsense about all these different horror films that we've seen. I was the one who talked the most nonsense because the drunker I got, the more I made up my arguments. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and we decided it was time to, uh, you know, Jason and I anyway decided let's let's translate that into the podcasting world because we were trying to find a way to get into podcasting anyway. And for some reason it worked out. <laughs> I mean, how long have you guys been doing the show now? Um, it's been about five years. Now I do have to throw this disclaimer out there. We have been on a you know a strange hiatus for the last five or six months. Um, I dropped out of the podcast because I wanted to work just as you know in the producing and on the website. So and the website is constantly kicking stuff out there. My heart is really in the in the writing part of everything. So I was producing all the shows, and uh, Jason and Mike took you know did it for a while. We also added in um, our new guy who calls himself the Real Man, <laughs> Patrick. And uh, they did a few shows for a while, and then, you know, life has its turmoil. So the podcast is kind of on hiatus. We haven't decided what's going to happen with that yet, but we have survived a whole five years <laughs> until that happened. Um, and on the same notion, I do plan on getting with Jason to find out some way where we can kick out a show every now and then. One of the shows that I like doing more than any other is on Halloween. I like to put out this music show where uh, I deal mostly with independent you know, artists. I have a lot of independent artists now sending me their music, and I still want to continue putting that show together. So I know that one's going to happen. Other than that, everything is still up in the air. So uh, 
don't don't give up on the Creepercast. We're still there, and you could definitely go to Creepercast.com. Lots if you're into horror films, I spend a lot of time talking to independent horror people, putting their news out there. Got a lot of great films that I, that are coming out that uh, people need to know about for sure. Yeah, one of my favorite. Well, when you did the episodes, was the survival guide for the zombie apocalypse. Oh yeah, they were funny. <laughs> and you get experts and in. You were, just, you were just telling me about the music show, which I was not aware of that, but I'm a little illiterate sometimes with podcasting, ironically <laughs> enough. So um, I'm interested in that. I also am wondering, have you heard any more news on the Human Centipede 3? I haven't heard any more news on it, but then what usually happens with the Centipede movies that I've noticed that even with the second one, this one happened. It's like suddenly there was tons of news out there saying that, oh, yeah, Human Centipede 2 is coming. And then they disappeared for like six months. You didn't hear anything. And then all of a sudden there was a movie. Which is impressive in this day and age, especially yeah. with Tom yeah. Six, as much as a media whore as he is. Uh, oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely, and that's what. But that's what happened with the second one. So that's what I'm think is gonna that they're doing with the third is that they're in that they're in that time period right now where they're not saying anything because they're busy trying to throw together this this insanely crazy and disgusting new centipede. <laughs> okay, so you said you you like to be the dissenting opinion, or you are the dissenting opinion. Maybe I should say, I feel like I'm the dissenting opinion on those films because I'm a fan. I, I own both of them on Blu-ray, and I've seen them both several times. And uh, I, I find them to be extremely kind of refreshing in a weird, sick and twisted kind of way. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the third one. Well, see, this is when I say I'm the dissenting opinion. It's usually that I try to disagree with Jason whenever I have the opportunity. <laughs> um, it's more that I'm like trying to be the, you know, the one to start the, pro, you know, the arguments, if, if at all possible. Jason's too good at deflecting it is what has always been one of our problems. Or I just say something really dumb. And uh, one of the things that's actually been working for us is, as a dissenter, I've actually become the guy who's been the proponent of the things. But I'm dissenting from everybody else. <laughs> I gotcha. So, especially when it comes to the independent films we've been working with, there's been a lot of independent films that we've dealt with that, uh, you know, they're not top of the line. You cannot compare them to, you know, Halloween or any... Well, actually, I think you can compare most of them to Halloween. But, you know, any of the blockbusters that are coming out of Hollywood today. Right. But I think that shouldn't rule them out for any reason. Now, in the same token, that means that I've been the guy who's, you know, has the belief that I cannot review a movie if I don't have something good to say about it. Has there been movies that I've refused to review? Yes. <laughs> Interesting. So if you don't have something positive to say in, in some regard, even if it's like an Ed Woodian kind of right. good costumes, you know, that sort of thing, you won't do it. That's, that's, there's only one time that's happened to me. I was writing, I was doing some writing for Horror News Net, and uh, they used to, it, the whole deal was that we were going to get all these films that uh, were crappy films, and he was going to assign them to us. And they were the crappy films that they've had, like in a box somewhere that uh, somebody needed to review at some point. And I kind of feel bad about it, but at the same time, because it was from the 80s, but I had reviewed like these three films for them, and I'm like, all right, I can find something good, I can find something good. And then I was watching Mutilations from 1980-whatever, this horrible 80s film. <laughs> and I've seen a lot of really bad films that I've been able to find something good in. And the whole time I'm watching this movie, I'm like, I am not going to be able to write on this. <laughs> really? So it has happened. See, I always found that the, the terrible movies brought out the more creativity in my review writing skills, which, granted, I've dropped the ball on that big time. But <laughs> I, uh, 
I always found that I had more fun kind of eviscerating a film versus trying to praise it. Right. And if it, well, that was the thing is that at first, you know, I was less worried about how upset I would make the people I was talking to. Um, and ultimately, because of the fact that it turned into my mind frame had to change because we were getting a lot of films sent to us by, you know, people who were, whose films were being raved about by other folks. But then I'd see something in it and be like, well, what are they raving about? And I'd have to start looking a little harder at it and thinking a little harder about what I'm seeing. And then I was coming up with better reasons to be watching these films. Now, granted, the films that you know we get today are way better in caliber than they were in the first couple of years. But um, so I don't have to try so hard to say that this film was great. But if it, it but I, ultimately the way I see it is, is that they're sending me their films because they want me to. They want me to be honest. And the best form of honesty for me is if I don't like it, I just won't say anything. And then they'll see that I haven't said anything, and hopefully they'll get the picture. At least I'm not bad pressing it. The internet has provided a funny outlet because <laughs> I wrote, and I, I never, like I said, I had I have fun writing those reviews. I guess you flex in your internet muscles, but. I wrote a really pretty nasty review of, of Faust, Love of the Damned, which I'm a huge fan of Tim Vigil. He's one of my heroes artistically. And I love the comic. I own the first, I don't know how many issues, but um, I wrote this horrible review because the movie was terrible. I mean, Brian Usen dropped the ball and just made a piece of crap. And he responded on my blog. <laughs> Tim Vigil did before I actually had met him in person, which I have oh, since wow. done. But... Uh, and it just floored me, and I felt kind of bad about it. But at the same time, I felt like I was justified because it is a god awful movie if you've seen it. Um, so I guess if people, I think are, I've seen clips from it. I don't think I've actually sat through the film yet. Don't. Um, <laughs> I, I would. I'd rather read the comics over and over again and rem- be reminded how wonderful it is as a story mm-hmm. in, in comic book form. But I, uh, I could see that perspective, especially if they're sending you stuff. But yeah. I'm kind of curious if, if there's at least one example you could give me of a movie that they sent you that was getting rave reviews and you didn't care for it without being, like... Um, yeah, there's actually... Um, Even just one. I'm just curious. Well, I don't want to give any names. I want to give any names of films. because Not that I think that anybody's seen these because most of them, they haven't. But there was this... There was, there's this 70s and this 70s style grindcore you know film that was sent to me that's supposed to be like this slasher and you know it's all psychedelic and everything and i watched like 15 minutes of it and then i put it on the shelf thinking that okay i'll go back to it when i'm actually in the mood for something like this because i'd had a lot of other movies that were way better in caliber than this one you know even came close to at this point and i was like yeah i'm not ready for this so i put it on the back shelf and it's six months later and i still haven't brought it back out (laughs) Wow. to take a look at it and this one was sent to me so <laughs> you know and it had one of those long names where you're just kind of like what does this have to do with the movie <laughs> you can forgive a lot if you've got good good scripting good story and even moderate production values i mean i've Definitely. seen some pretty horrible straight to you know kind of uh super eight type things and they blew the heck out of a lot of big budget stuff because they had heart and they had a good story good script and even if the acting wasn't great, you know, if, if it's there and I can kind of forget what I, who, where I'm at, I can get myself immersed into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, you know, I'll sit through just about anything and I'll sit through it, it, it the entire move. I, I don't give up. Um, <laughs> I guess it's a fault because I've seen some garbage, but 
Uh-huh. Well, see, for me, it's like I think nowadays it's because my time is so limited. Yeah, that is the reason why that if I get if I can't get into it within 15, 20 minutes, I'm like to heck with it. Or if it's not something that I, you know, that I can sit down with my fiance and watch and, you know, watch her reactions while I'm, you know, while I'm trying to take in things or sitting with somebody who's going to put up with me going, oh, that's a reference to you or, oh, they did this. Oh, they pulled that one. Oh, this is the part where this is supposed to happen. You know, if. <laughs> Because it gives me like a sounding board when I'm talking about when it, and then later when I usually sit down to write it, then it puts things into a different perspective for me as I'm doing it. Um, there's a lot of films though that I've seen the, in the last few, especially the last six months, that I want to you know if you don't mind me throwing some plugs out there. Go ahead, is, uh, plug away. Is uh, the two of the films that are really big right now is I'm, I'm going to say that uh, there's, there's something happening in Maine and I know it's not just because Stephen King lives there. I know it's not because every, every horror story that we all know real well took place there because they're all Stephen King stories, of course, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there is a real movement going on around the Portland, Maine area where there's these two films that came out of there that I got the pleasure of review, re- reviewing last year. One of them was called the Hanover house. It's, an homage to the haunted house, if you will. And, um, the way they took the story, the, the way they did the homage aspects of it were really well done. It's one of those that you can start to like see through the lower production value as you're watching the film. Cause you get so engrossed in what's happening. And then when something amazing does happen, you know, as far as the production value goes, you're just like, Whoa, am I watching an independent film? Right. And that's, I actually did that, you know, a couple of times. The other one is, is, and I'm sure everybody knows that, you know, pays attention to the creeper caster knows me, is that I love me, love myself some European zombie comedies. Okay. So I really get into the zombie comedies. Well, there's a group that came out of, uh, also coming out of Maine, who uh, have a film called How to Kill a Zombie. It's a father and son, you know, a father and son situation. They find themselves locked in a or uh, in a trapped in a uh, office building with a bunch of office personnel while the zombie apocalypse is happening outside. You find out different office what you know items that you could use as weapons against zombies. This movie is hilarious. I mean, there are things that I want to be able to tell people about this movie just because it is that funny. The, and uh, I won't say them, even though because I, I think they were brilliant, and I want this film to have its day before I run around saying that I want my action figures. Uh, right? <laughs> was, was there a stapler used? Um, there was a stapler used at one point. Right. Well, my yeah. favorite one was when they were using where, where they would put sticky notes all over the zombie's face, <laughs> and then the zombie couldn't bite them because there was all those you know the sticky notes in front of them. <laughs> but let me just let me just put it to you this way: if you ever get a chance to see this movie. Your your whole idea of bubble wrap will change. You realize that you can do so much with that bubble wrap and have yourself a pet at the same time. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's that's really you know omnibus sounding, but yeah, I know. Anyway, Killer's favorite horror movie of the past six months is. Mm-hmm. You come to my country. What? Wolf Creek wow. too. Oh really? I haven't even seen the second one. See, the first one though is based on the is based very loosely on the real story. Of who? What is this? Is the second one just kind of like no, you know, yeah. really second, go fictionalized? Or? Yeah, it goes fictionalized. Yeah, the first one's based on Ivan Milat, um, right? Uh, the guy that used to pick up hitchhikers, um, you know, European hitchhikers, and um, he buried them in a, a forest called the Belangelo State Forest. He'd pick them up and and hunt them in the forest and then kill them and bury them. And yeah, the second one, it, it 
it, it's not based on any true story, but I, I loved the second <laughs> one more than the first one. But yeah, it, and they've left it open for a third. So yeah, right. I get I get the idea from the trailers that the second one has got a lot more going on in it. Yeah, because the first one was just like half the movie was just them hitchhiking, and then you had like. 50, 15 or 20 minutes of is something going to happen, is something going to happen and then in the last 20 minutes of the movie you know, it all goes to hell <laughs> now, The second one's worth watching we've been, all right. we've been talking about it a bit on the show and that's why I keep saying you come to my country it's a line well, they, uh, they, they kind of took the um, the original concept and took the last 20 minutes and kind of the, it follows a bit of the same flow to some extent um, it's a bit uh, Hitchcockian in, in the way that they handle their main characters, if you understand what I'm saying. But um, it, I, I enjoyed it. it. It was it was more along the lines of uh, like Chainsaw Massacre two. You know how they one versus two. You know the the difference between them. It's right. very much in that kind of a vein where okay. the first one takes a very serious approach. The second one isn't comedic, but it kind of got overindulgent. Um, to to the nth degree, and it is it's it's fun. It I uh, I, I think over time it's it's going to prove to be interesting. Which speaking of movies that I didn't expect to see a sequel from, I, I saw the Woman in Black is getting a sequel, um, which I love the first one. I would agree with that. I, I have to. I am down with that love because uh, you know I haven't read the book, but I heard enough about the book to where you know when I saw the movie, I was like, "This movie is actually really good," even though Harry Potter's in it. I thought he was well cast, actually. <laughs> exactly, he was. He was really good with it. The twist, though, was the I think was where the where the million dollars was at. I mean, it was it was a real good way they handled it, and you can, it does you love it. Love them or hate them, Hammer films are still awesome. So we'll see, and, and I don't like think I coming back. I hadn't, I mean, I haven't seen one since, I mean, the heyday, if there is any, I didn't know about it or I missed it, but, um, the, the sequels takes place 40 years later and, um, I'm hearing good things about it so far, but uh, I'm going to be hesitant until I actually see it. I have to admit, I've been out of the loop on that one. Yeah. I just saw it pop up in the feed. There's a trailer out and, uh, popped up in my IMDB when I brought it up a couple of days ago and I went, wait, what? <laughs> So, huh. that's kind of like you know when it popped up into the feed, into my latest news feed, that they are going to do a Goonies and that some of the original people will be coming back. But is Josh Brolin too big now? Like too big of an actor? That's what I keep saying. It's like they're not going to be able to get Josh. I mean, Sean Astin is doing Turtles and uh, <laughs> in <has>, the screen, <laughs> right? And um, uh, I mean, I, I don't can't think. I am. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm I'm hesitant to have any faith in it. I mean, I enjoy the first one, but I don't, I don't know how they could possibly make a sequel without starting over using their kids or something. Yeah, which is used up. You know, that storyline is always used up. Exactly. I, I don't know how they could feasibly do it without some major thought out, well thought out changes. Because <laughs> um, them running around in slick shoes and things like that just doesn't work when you're you know in your 40s or 50s. Right. And I just really quickly, before I uh, lose my train of thought on the independent films, is that I haven't had a chance to see this one yet. So if director Bloody Billy Pawn is listening to this show, dude, you got to hook me up with my screener, man. You've been hooking everybody else up. Anyway, Circus <laughs> of the Dead. <laughs> All right. That one's it's coming out of South Texas. It's uh, 
I know it's going to be brilliant because uh, Billy Pond has another film out there called Dow Boy. You can find it on YouTube. Look, look it up. It's only like 15, 20 minutes long. It's basically about a bunch of people trapped in a warehouse and you got a guy running around with a sledgehammer. Um, really good, uh, really good effects in it for as practical as they are. He just really, he just finished and it, it played for the first time at Texas Frightmare Weekend uh, back in May called Circus of the Dead. It stars one of my favorite B-horror actors. This guy is like tearing it up on the screens right now, Bill Oberst Jr. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> and uh, he's a great guy, though. I mean, the guy, if you watch his humble beginnings where he was just the guy that lasted five minutes in a film to the fact that now his last couple of films, which uh, I will be reviewing the most literally the latest one which is called ditch day massacre he actually gets to run around with an axe killing a bunch of teenagers the dude is brilliant he's great he's one of the creepiest guys out there that's why we call him on the creeper cast we call him our master of creeps <laughs> and uh he plays a character known as papa corn and just to get it out of the way it is a bunch of circus clowns that like to have themselves some raunchy fun i'd liked his turn in uh abraham lincoln versus zombies i know that's not necessarily the greatest film on the planet but that's Actually, how i was introduced that is to the film that is the film that how i got introduced to him what uh the first time and then before we actually talked to him because we've interviewed him a couple of times and i get to talk to him constantly now plus he sent me like tons of stuff but anyway um that uh that was the first film that i saw and i gotta say out of everybody that was in that movie he was the only one that made any sense yes and that's and that's what seems to happen in a lot of films that he does fortunately these days he has been getting hooked up with some really good people like the director bloody you know bill pond is a great is a great director he knows what you know these raunchy slasher flicks are supposed to look like um the film also has parish randall who uh if anybody i mean he's been in a lot of b-horror himself most known for uh, a zombie flick that had to do with, you know, in the Old West. I think it was called The Quick and the Undead. Yeah, oh, that's it. Yeah. With Chris he was, Pan? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, I oh. think of Bill Mosley, who will do just about anything, but he always stands out amongst everybody right. else that's garbage. And uh, we have, uh, but there's a lot of great people coming in, you know, that are in this film. I'm kind of, you know, bothered right now that as often as I've talked to Bill Pond, he hasn't shared it with me yet but no I understand he's got you know really cool stuff that he's doing with it one definitely to keep your eyes out it's uh, if this thing doesn't hit DVD by the end of the year I'll be surprised hey Killa um, when when you don't have sex for a while and then all of a sudden <laughs> you have the opportunity do you notice that you kind of get a little like not, not like you specifically but you tend to get kind of overexcited and giddy and you kind of like or if you're dying to tell a joke and you haven't had anybody around you for a week and a half and you finally get people around you and you want to tell a joke and it just kind of comes pouring out of you like crazy. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that uh, you're, you've been kind of dying to do a, a, a CreeperCast episode from the sounds of it. Yes. Well, I used to actually join the boys on the CreeperCast. I mean, uh, Je- I mean, listen to how excited Jeff is. I mean, uh, that's what I'm talking about is he sounds yeah. like he's... Well, the, the irony is I'm, I'm not a horror movie fan. I, I enjoy occasional horror movies. Um, my my missus is the horror movie fan, and I actually that's when I get to watch them when she puts them on. But no, I've never been a huge horror movie fan. But I was going to ask you about uh, the upcoming movie from Kevin Smith, Tusk. Do you class that as a horror movie? I'm pretty sure you know what the movie's about. I would. Yeah. 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 Because I'm 
anxious to see this movie. I've heard the progression from the podcast talking about it to the whole, you know, the inception of making the movie and the whole, everything, because I listen to Kevin Smith's podcast. But yeah, I was wondering if you'd <coughs> class that as a horror movie, because I think it's a horror movie. So, oh, and well, what's, what's your thoughts on what would are you interested in watching that movie as well? Like, do you think it's going to be something worth watching, or is it just another Kevin Smith? I know some people think Kevin Smith's a bit of a a dud movie director, but I don't. That's uh, no, I love all Kevin Smith no. movies, but except um, I would definitely not say that Kevin Smith is a Kevin Smith is a dud. I mean, one thing that Kevin Smith has proven proven time and time again that he is exceptionally good at is dialogue. Yep. and as long as the dialogue can drive the film. Kevin Smith's films have been great. I mean, there's no argument for me. Even the ones that he himself hate, like Mallrats. I love Mallrats. Jersey Girl was good. I mean, the one he always talks about is Cop Out. And I even enjoy watching that, even though I know it's shit. But it's funny, (laughs) because I I watched Dogma last night with um, Donna, and Donna's always been um, hesitant to watch Dogma. And last night we're just going through our little list on our, a little box that we have all the movies on, and she's going, "Oh, we watch Dogma." I go, "You won't watch it." She goes, "Yes, I will." So I finally got her to watch Dogma. But yeah, I'm I'm really keen to see this Tusk movie. I think he's he's improved over you know with age. He's learnt what to do and what not to do, and yeah, and as you said, Jeff, the dialogue part to it, yeah, you can you really can pick that up in his movies. But I love Red State. And now he's bringing bringing Michael Parks back for Task. I, I think this is going to be a really great movie. Well, that was something that I was going to say was if you take, if you sit somebody down who doesn't know anything about Red State, and you take the credits out, yeah, you wouldn't know that it's a Kevin Smith movie. No, that was a great movie. And that to me just proves that he's more than just a one trick pony. That's you know capable of a static one shot with you know people talking or stoner jokes or you know. Right, right. It was uh, that was just a solid movie, in my opinion, a solid movie just on its own. Yeah. Without his name even being attached or him being, you know, the reason that people saw it necessarily. But the, the- and I would definitely agree with that. But especially with the things like Red State, and that was a dialogue-driven movie. I yeah. mean, a lot of it was based on, you know, what was being preached, and and it it but it played out just like a you know ripped out ripped out of the headlines type film, and that's why I think Tusk is going to be fantastic in many ways is because he's going to be able to play with the humor that he you know the raunchy humor that he yeah. knows and loves so much he's got justin long in it for god's yeah. sake and <laughs> Haley joel osman as well you know i see dead people yeah and yeah and so it's, it, it and, can be nothing but amazing because he's going to be in his own element for sure with that one i mean red state i think wasn't really horror to a certain extent yeah, I mean, it, even kevin admits that it wasn't horror it wasn't a horror movie it was a more suspense yeah. or more, um, I don't know what other term you can use for it, but yeah. Um, but the lines he wrote for, like, uh, Michael Parks, because he's a big fan of Michael Parks, you know, when he's delivering those lines, and you know, when he's on the, doing the sermon, and that's just pure Kevin Smith, you know, full dialogue, and that's why he wanted Michael Parks to play this role for Tusk. And he's also, he's going to be doing um, another two more movies. He's doing um, Yoga Houses. Yoga Houses. Houses. Yeah. <laughs> Which is going to have the same, the same cast in it. And then he's going to do um, a, a Jaws sort of remake. What is it? The, um, Moose Jaws. It's, yeah. it's his little trilogy. His Canadian trilogy, as he co- he's calling it. 
And he's <laughs> bringing back Haley Joel Osment to yeah. the big screen. Yeah. I see dead people. Well, somebody has to do it. <laughs> no, yeah. they don't. Okay. He, he, well. ate, he ate the other dead people. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the whole idea behind all what Kevin Smith's doing now, I love how he just comes up with an idea on a podcast. It's just a, you know, just well, yeah. mucking around, talking with Scott Mosier, and he goes, hang on, no one else is going to do this. I'll do this. And he's doing it low budget and, you know, independent. And I think that's the way the, the world should be heading, you know, with these movies, not these, you know, high budget bullshit movies that, you know, they spend millions. <laughs> well, he's doing it in the way that he knows and the, yeah. the way that he knows and he understands best. That's Red State was actually probably the greatest lesson for him is that he tried to do that with, you know, big studio budget, big studio everything. I mean, he's done this every time he's tried to do a big studio anything. They come in and try to control it and then he gets, you know, he gets shoved off to the side. Red State, the reason why it took, you know, four or five years for it to even get out for the rest of us to see was because the studio said, okay, we're out. So, Kevin cut it the way he wanted it, and uh, and then took forever to get it out because yeah, well, everybody was against it. Well, he took, Tusk is he's doing. Yeah, I was going to say he took Red State on the road on his own. Yeah, and but this what one's he's different. doing with Tusk though is entirely different. I mean, he's riding the wave that he knows how to ride. Yeah. Is that he's going out there going hey, and and when I say ripped from the headlines the way Red State was, Tusk really was ripped from that headlines. I mean, it came from an article he had read and he was like, hey, somebody should do a movie on this. And then enough people said, hey, Kevin, why aren't you doing a movie on this? He was like, all right, fine, I'll do a movie on it. Yeah, and then yeah. he like turned it into such a big deal because we got to see artwork from it. We got to see, um, you know, we found out that Justin Long was involved. We were getting shown teases during the filming. I mean, this is this movie has got got it made already when it comes to Kevin Smith lovers or, you know, the horror fanatics that are just waiting for something crazy like this to come out. It's human centipede, only the guy wants to turn somebody into a walrus. walrus. Turn him into a walrus. <laughs> yeah. I'm 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 really hanging for this movie. I want to see it. I I know it gets released next month in America. I'm not sure if it gets released here in Australia at the same time, but I will be paying my money and going to the cinema to see it. Not ob- obtaining it like dying. Whoa! Yes. Old statement, <laughs> sir. Yeah. Well, that's the way things are going, though, nowadays, and I think um, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing to see happen because I know, like, with Juliana Hatfield, who I'm, of course, a, a staunch supporter of, you know, she, after she got her fallout with the big record labels, kind of floundered for a long time trying to figure out what to do, and now that she's part of the Pledge Music, you know, we come in and we pledge the money to reach a certain goal to have her make more music. And then they've got, you know, all these crowdsourcing and crowdfunding and career funding at this point where people, you know, they'll just fund them to make yeah. albums in perpetuity. It's the same thing. Like I was just reading about and I know people are a lot of people hate on Rob Zombie, but I'm a fan. He's he's getting crowdfunding to make 31 and wait, did I say thirty one? You said thirty one. Is it thirty one that he's getting the funding for, or is it the hockey movie? No, the hockey movie's on on hold. So he's oh, making okay. he's he's doing this all with money from investors. And, you know, he's doing what kind of what it sounds like what Kevin Smith is doing, which is, you know, letting you in kind of behind the scenes, giving you little bits and pieces as you're going along the process. And I gotta tell you, every Juliana Hatfield album that I bought since she started having going through Pledge Music I feel closer to and more a part of because I've seen it from the initial, hey, I'm making a new album 
you can get in on the ground floor to the actual release date and then the post follow-up afterwards where you're involved in it from the entire process where she's giving you little, you know, uh, special video clips where she's, you know, working on songs or, you know, interviews or artwork or, you know, whatever it is. And, and even having the fans give the feedback for the name of the album and what kind of design to have and everything, uh, even to pick out the songs in some cases. So, you know, Rob Zombie's going that route. And I think ultimately he's, I think probably like Kevin Smith is going to be happier with the result. And if the fans don't like it, they don't have to like it because the only people that really have to like it are the ones that are putting their money into yeah. it, you know? Well, that's like with the, the comedy film nerd guys who um, crowdfunded the um, Earbuds documentary. And, um, you know, it's everyone's just throwing money in. Unfortunately, I didn't because I couldn't afford to. But, you know, and they travelled the world. They travelled to Australia. I actually got interviewed by the guys, you know. They went and saw the mic and and um, Eric Tomorrow and all them guys, and it was all crowdfunded, and you, you get to feel a part of it. So, you know. It's the way things are going, and I've been saying that the, the collapse of major market, you know, major studios and record labels is it's maybe not ever going to totally happen, but it, the power has shifted. And, That's right. you know, in, anymore, the record companies are only going to support artists that are, are huge, and if they're not huge, they're not going to put their money into it, or they don't, don't have the potential. Or, or, um, or the ones they make up themselves, you know, these, like, boy bands, or, right. you know. Exactly. And I, I think the movie studios eventually are going to kind of start paring down, too, to where they're only going to go with proven producers and or, you know, certain types of things. And, and that's fine by me because, you know what, if, if I want something or somebody to make something or create or whatever, I'm happy to throw money at it and support that. Yeah. Well, it's it's been happening all along, though. It's, if you think about it, especially in the film business, especially with with the horror genre, is that people who started out as independents are actually working their way into more um, Hollywood type films. But they're still so. I think what's happening is is that the Hollywood or the big film companies are learning to adapt. You also have people like Lionsgate that will only hire from the independent pool. You've got a. Uh, um, Millennium Films is out there, like only you, you know, working with independent films, and they've become big because of that. And then you have things like, you know, directors like Ty West, who's running, you know, started out doing, you know, little, uh, little films with all his friends, like uh, Wingard. You know, him and Wingard used to hang out and would make like the VHS movies and things like that. And now you got Ty West is out directing his own stuff with Eli Roth backing him up. You have Adam Wingard doing Your Next. You know, I mean, it's. It's they're all turning. It's like Hollywood is getting the groove suddenly. <laughs> well, it's what's interesting though is you know the it, independent film has of course always existed, but the fact that it's easier now to be a part of it, it's giving them more of the opportunity to do what they want with real finances, you know, and not just having to struggle with a shoestring budget. Um, I mean, Rob Zombie kind of set a goal for how much he needs to make the movie that he wants to make. And I mean, he's going to get it. I don't have any doubt. Um, but you know, that's kind of the way I've seen too. I mean, Julian Hatfield says, here's, here's the cap. This is how much I need to make this album. And once I reach his goal, if you want to continue to donate, you're welcome to, but that's all going to go to charity. You know, I'm not going to keep any of that. And then she presents a check to her charity of choice at the end of it. And I mean, I saw her go, I think the last album when she did uh, wild animals, it ended up being like, after 100%, it went over like another 150 or 200% more of funding 
beyond what she was asking for. And people knew that. They just were supporting her. So, you know, it's it's at a kind of a night, neat time to be alive as far as, uh, you know, movies and music is concerned. Yeah, crowdfunding, crowdfunding is definitely changing, the, especially the entertainment landscape. Of course, I haven't been able to bring myself to ask for people to pay me to stay home and write the zombie novel I've been working <laughs> so hard on. But... <laughs> yeah, well, we want to start a crowdfunding um, <laughs> campaign to get me to America, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> So far, it hasn't happened. I've been trying every every other week or so. I'll throw it out there. You know, if somebody wants to start a Kickstarter or whatever to get Killa over over to the states for like a week or two. Um, I think that's actually been discussion for like a couple of years. I remember him being on our show and us talking about it at one time. <laughs> Anybody who seems to want to take the the ball and run with it, I don't know. Yeah, hmm. I'm not that well liked. It seems. Oh, everybody yeah. loves you. Not everyone. Um, uh, everybody but one person loves you. <laughs> and we won't name and that one count. person. <laughs> I don't know. She might put kick in a couple bucks to have you come over just so she could like kick you in the shins or something. <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there because... <laughs> I'm just saying it could happen. Uh, could, what, me getting kicked in the shins could happen. I can get that done at well, home her, here. If I piss I mean, off Donna enough, she'll bucks. kick me in the shins. I'm talking about kicking in some money. Uh, God. Anyway, <laughs> just, just saying. What um, what I want to bring up is someone has challenged me to the ice bucket challenge. Oh yes, I saw. Oh that. geez, who could have done that? I don't know. See, there's uh. the, an issue with that. I've got a flu or a cold at the moment. It's winter down here oh. in Australia, and my missus thinks it's a whole load of bullshit this ice bucket challenge and she's telling me not to do it so i have an issue (laughs) do i do it or do i not because someone said that australians are tough or whatever was mentioned (laughs) so i feel like i have been more than i've been challenged for the ice bucket challenge i've been challenged to prove how tough australians are so i'm in a quandary right now (laughs) i'm Mm, still haven't decided whether to do it or not, but at the moment I can't do it because of this flu. So it might be a week or two, a week maybe. But yes. Well, notice, notice I didn't say it had to be twenty four hours. No. Well, Keep usually that. it's a twenty four hour <laughs> thing. Anyway, for people who don't know, Jeff has challenged me to the ice bucket challenge. Them's the rules, man. Twenty four hours. <laughs> I can, can't be done. You don't have enough ice. Yeah, I'll do it, and there'll be two two blocks of ice sitting in the water. <laughs> do they allow ice in Australia? I mean, is that possible? Oh, I was thinking about getting actually the drug ice and pouring over my head. Oh, just get some dentine ice, like uh, uh, like I see Monkey did when he did his challenge. He had yeah. you know ice house and dentine ice. I think oh, well, that's what I do. I'll just pour ice house CDs over me. The New Zealand. Oh, man. there you go. There you go. See, you can get creative. I mean, I've seen yeah. I mean, Patrick Stewart. Got yeah, Patrick Stewart. I was just going to say it. I mean, you could follow the Patrick Stewart one. Just go the. Yeah, I mean, I mean, his is the classiest I've ever seen. You can be classy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I have to find. My and missus. if anybody, and if anybody can handle their scotch, I'm sure it's an Australian. I can handle a lot of stuff, mate. I, <laughs> I handle the drop bears every day. You know, they just drop out these trees and try to attack me every day. I'm walking to work. Oh. These vicious drop bears. Who's making that movie? Nobody. Nobody. Well, that was another idea that came up. I think what, through to undercover. Make a drop bears. 
Yeah. It's like, I, it was I'm like, wait up. a minute, I need to know more about this. Because <laughs> I, I know filmmakers. <laughs> Koala bears. Do you know what a drop bear yeah. is? Jeff? No. No. It's a koala bear. They jump out of the trees and attack you. You think they're cute, really? cuddly? Yeah, yeah. They just jump out and <laughs> they're attacking you. It's a drop bear. They're high as hell on eucalyptus, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I just was talking to Donna about it just before the show because we were watching um, Steve Irwin's Wildlife Warriors on TV while I was waiting. Do they still do that without him? Yes, they do. And they do it with... Um, kidding, with no, Bindi? it's serious. Yeah, they the show continues with um, Bindi and um, Robert and, and whatever her name is. Can't think of a name at the moment. Steve's ex- that's right. But yeah, that it was on TV, and they they had a koala on there, and they were trimming his nails. And I was just saying to Donna, well, "Did drop bear thing come up?" And I said, "How much we talk about drop bears on the show?" Well, she that shows tamed down a lot because Steve Irwin would be like in the middle of a field of crocs, putting his head in their mouths, and now they're just trimming the nails of koalas. No, well, <laughs> they were feeding snakes with rabbits. Big pythons. And so also, like the rabbits had the food and they were giving it to the snakes? No, no, no. They had dead <laughs> rabbits feeding their big pythons. Also, Wait, how did the dead rabbits feed the pythons? The, 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 the keepers had a dead rabbit in the hand, started wiggling it, making it look like it was alive, and the python would jump out and grab the, the poor little dead rabbit. Uh, also, they were uh, trying to get crocodile eggs out of the nest two keepers in the in the pen and the croc was like trying to get the guy trying to steal the eggs uh, but Steve Irwin would have done it better I'll stick my thumb up his butt that's, that's a South Park fucking reference no. yeah. yeah I was going to say he never did that no he just got stung in the chest by a stingray well speaking of Australians because we seem to talk about them on the show quite often because I don't know yeah. I guess because you're Australian um <laughs> With all the, the Doctor Who mania that's going on right now and being, you know, the fanatic that I am, I uh, was watching a special about Peter Capaldi and Jenna Coleman traveling across the world to promote the show. Well, they uh, uh, went to Australia. Yeah. In the TARDIS. A comed- What's that? In the TARDIS. Not like in the TARDIS <laughs> went ahead of time, but uh, they had an Australian actor and comedian on there who apparently does a show called Who Me? His name is Robert Rob Lloyd. Have you ever heard of him? No, name doesn't ring a bell to me. Well, that he's not that famous. I guess not. I just wondered because he's from Melbourne and he's, you know, roughly our age, but he does a whole show just on Doctor Who and um, I guess is traveling with it now worldwide because it's the popularity of it. And of course, you know, everybody in Australia knows each other. So I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. we know each other. You know, we live in this small little continent. In one little place. <laughs> well, in my head, that's what happens. Yeah. The size of Australia is nearly the same size as the United States. Exactly. Only difference is we all live, the majority of the population lives on the coast. Well, you know that I know everybody in America. I mean, that's, a, that's what you believe, right? No. <laughs> well, you know a lot of people. You seem to know Jeff. Well,. I know Jeff through the internet. Internet with Scott the Pool Boy. Sorry. That's a different <laughs> No, I've never Speaking heard of Doctor Who. Yes. <laughs> Who? I've already seen the episode. Is like, he on first? Came out, but it was in black and white. 
<laughs> so it was before it got colorized. And there's this huge dinosaur that runs around. Oh, wait. You didn't want anybody to ruin it, did you? Are you, are you trying to give me spoilers on Deep Breath? <laughs> he was a ghost all along. I, I, I yeah, did take exactly. the, a moment um, to – I've tried to stay off Facebook as much as possible. But I did take a moment. There was a review on Cultbox that went up. And I just went and I scrolled down to the bottom. I didn't read anything. And at the very bottom, I saw how many stars they gave it, and I just smiled. But other than that, I've been very good about staying off because I won't be able to watch until we're done here. And even then, I'm going to have to, like, get some snacks or something and prepare. So Some Vegemite on toast? Yeah, that's not going to happen, but <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> yeah. So the only, the only yeast that I, that I eat, you know, on purpose is the yeast that goes in my beer when I'm making it. <laughs> I, got, I got really nervous about what you were going to say there for a second. <laughs> but do you understand that's how Vegemite started? It was the the leftover yeast from beer making. Yes, I do. <laughs> I think I've probably told you this on the Creepercast before. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they have so many kangaroos, because all of the leftover hops. Uh, ah, you see. Uh, finally, a good Joel joke. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 one hurt a little bit. <laughs> you'll laugh about it later, and then you'll tell your friends. <laughs> you'll say, "Do you know how Vegemite was created?" And they'll say, "No." And you'll say, "Listen to this," and then you'll tell them, and then you'll tell them that bit, and they'll hit you, <laughs> and they will no longer be your friends. <laughs> but they will pay to have you come over to wherever they are and kick in the shins. <laughs> that, that, that much is true. Right through tomatoes or something, you know, vaudeville style. <laughs> I don't know. She throw them, kill her, or eat them. <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> uh, it's funny because you want to. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll leave that one alone. That's what she. <laughs> um, don't, don't, don't. I, I feel know. so left out right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was during awful show days. Yeah, you were you were probably around during that. Oh, oh, okay. oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh! What? I, it's starting. To, I, it, it's all starting to come back. Yes, we're going to talk about it off air. But well, I could talk it on here, but we won't mention names. But a certain person flew down to Australia twice to visit me, and then, yeah, it, they <laughs> wanted to play that didgeridoo, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it actually makes that sound, from what I hear. Oh, you'll have to ask Donna. Um, no. <laughs> I have a feeling she wouldn't appreciate that. Right. She doesn't like podcasts. She thinks they're stupid, but allows me to do them. I want to get her on the show one day, but mm, we'll see. We, we're going to need a co-host at some point. We're just like a, a filler. So, yeah. yeah, she'll have to come on and do it. We'll get the second mic set up and get her on. There you go. Um, okay. So... We're about that time, I think, for some some just completely <laughs> stupid questions. Although the very first question is a, kind of a legitimate one, um, to be honest. I was thinking about this actually earlier today when I were, was thinking about being on the show. So this goes for both of you and myself. If you were living in a horror movie, like really in a horror movie, would you rather be the killer or the last person alive at the end? I think my name says it all, so. You want to be the last person? <laughs> no. What's my name? I'm Killer Wilbur. Right. So I'll be the killer. <laughs> I should have asked what your weapon of choice would be, but I, see, I don't think I'd have a good answer. <laughs> so. It would be a drop in. Or a didgeridoo. 
I, I'm still stuck on the drop bears. I had to make notes about that. I'm going to be doing research. There may be a movie. <laughs> make sure Killer gets like a executive producer credit or something. <laughs> and in the case, and in the case of, of a drop bear attack, I think I want to be the drop bear. Well, I'm, well, I'm, I want the movie to be like <laughs> like a Sharknado movie sort of thing. But it, it's not. So, it's not a, a tornado with koalas in it. It's just that style of a movie. <laughs> So it's made by the asylum then. But it's just bears just hey, I know dropping a few, out I know, of the sky. I know a few directors from the asylum. I, th- I can make that happen. <laughs> the asylum? Who made that? No, that's the produ- the company, the guys oh. that make all those movies. Oh, okay. Like Sharknate. Oh, fair enough. Sorry. Say I'm not a... Anyway. All right. Well, you don't have to be in a drop bear movie, though. I mean, what if you were in a horror <laughs> movie, which, which would you rather be? Me. That is that is a really hard question. Wow, because I'd never actually put that. I mean, I I always root for a villain. So if there's like a killer, if it's a slasher film, I'm almost always rooting for the guy for the guy because you know the in the old days the killers were just killers. There was nothing really fancy fancy about them. It, it was just like all in how they looked. They looked really cool, but you didn't want to be one of them. Nowadays, it's like you know they're they're the American Psycho dude, and. Uh, I wouldn't have a problem being the, the American Psycho dude, although I don't want to be Batman <sighs> because I already am. I was going to ask what. Sounds <laughs> like Jack Palance on a bad day, but, but, but yeah, thing, Patrick Bateman is here. Thing, you know, yeah, about me. yeah, I like that. I, I, I like the way they're the serial killers are, are being portrayed today. Is uh, so if I were to, if my life was one, I would be Patrick Bateman. Well, and think about it. I mean, th- there's no saying that you're going to be dead at the end. You may be back for the sequel. So, you know, saying exactly. you're going to be the killer doesn't automatically mean... Well, Patrick Bateman got away with it because it may have all been in his head. That's very true. <laughs> and even if I, when I'm the killer in the movie, I can actually make their coffin for him as well. Saying I'm a coffin. Uh, Which would be really nice of you. Yes. Would be nice. Not every killer does that. Yeah, well, I've got to keep my business running. Well, there you go. <laughs> There's a good. There's another movie plot, right? That day. Yeah, another movie plot. <laughs> it's been done to some extent, but right. Well, not, not by someone like Killa. <laughs> Australian, sexy as hell. Um, <laughs> anyway, so well, I, 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 you know, I don't know that I ever could come to a good conclusion because I was thinking about this, and if you had the right hook and you had the right, like, no pun intended, like you were that cool one, that cool villain then I could see where it would be fun to some extent. But there's, there's also a certain enjoyment on the other side of that stick. Um, not saying I want to be a woman, but thinking about like Nev Campbell in the Scream series of films. You know, She always ends up at the end being the one that kicks everybody's butt and walks away with some scrapes and bruises. And There's a certain charm in that, that aspect too. So I'm going to go, just to be the dissenting opinion in this case, I'm going to be the last person alive. Um, and I'm hoping I don't go the Adrian King route in Friday the 13th Part 2 because that would really kind of negate the whole first film. So, hmm. Now, don't you think by the second or third movie, though, you'd like finally figure out what's happening and and move a little quicker to change things? I'll watch Scream 1 through 4 and you can see the progression. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. All right, so... Uh, do you, are you familiar with the Smurfs? Of course. Killa, of course. Uh, you're old enough for the Smurfs. So <laughs> if you had a choice between which would you choose? The Smurfs, the Snorks, or maybe the Swoofs? 
give me the blue and white, baby. Wow. You're not going to, I can't go outside the box. Oh, well, it depends on how far, what, what's, where are you going outside the box? Because <laughs> for me, well, I've had this argument many times with my sister growing up, and that, you know, the Smurfs and the Snorks were like back to back, and I, and then I think the other one was in there somewhere, and um, the only one that I would actually sit and watch with her, which was in the same, like, group of four cartoons, was uh, Gummy Bears. So I have to go with Gummy Bears if I can go outside the box, but within the same time, you know. <laughs> they did have a great theme song on that show. I have to admit. And I love the way they bounced around in the forest. It was like Spider-Man in the woods. But they were drinking like some sort of <laughs> incredibly, I don't know, some sort of... I was, I was raised Irish. Drinking it means you can bounce around the woods. You get superpowers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the swoops were the, the, the really dark, like they were almost black, like ashy looking Smurfs that ran around and they went, get up, get up. And they like... Hmm. Hopped around and bit the Smurfs on the tails, and then they would turn them into swoops, and they'd go ganap ganap. Oh, I do like. I, okay, I vaguely remember that now. They were like the bad guys temporarily. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I. Should. I don't know. Azrael was my favorite. So out of the <laughs> Smurfs. So. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to be the Snorks. I, I I'm just saying because it's too phallic. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to go with the Smurfs too. I I. I mean, granted, I, I enjoy the gummy bears if you're going to take it that direction. But the Smurfs was and probably still is to, to this day one of my all-time favorite like comic or cartoons as a kid. Like I was unhealthily obsessed with the Smurfs. Um, uh, with a certain Smurf? A blonde Smurf? No, just all the Smurfs. <laughs> I just enjoyed the show. And they had a pentagram on there one time. Still can't seem to. I remember that, yeah. Well, see, I used to watch the Smurfs just because right afterwards was the Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, I watched that too. <laughs> that was a fun one, uh, and, I, and I did enjoy that one. I, I did too. I um, I don't know that it would hold up today, most, <laughs> no. but especially Transformers. Wow, that one does not hold up at all these days. I thought GI Joe hold up much better. What about He Man? I I enjoyed He Man when I watched it recently. Loved He Man. Did you realize that they basically in two seasons made enough episodes that technically by today's standard would have filled at least four seasons of television? By the it's like power 166 of episodes. Sorry. <laughs> it was ridiculous. All to sell toys. Yep. Most cartoons are just designed to sell toys these days. So like, I was more into Thunder the Barbarian. but That was a good one. <laughs> I have to admit that was a good one. Um, I'm looking up the He-Man thing here because I'm trying to remember exactly how many episodes it was. I thought it was 166, but uh, the cartoon yeah. of choice for me these days that I enjoy my little indulgence is Ben 10. <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> uh, Neither have I. I've watched all the episodes. Well, not all the episodes, but I've watched all the in- um, incarnations of it from the original to the the next one and now this fucking I don't like the new Omnitrix whatever it fucking is the latest one but anyway that's just my little personal issue I think the only animated series that kids would be into today that I was into for a while was the Avatar series and I haven't even seen any of the new ones oh my gosh you should see well I mean that one ended but The Legend of Korra's and it's oh it's so good it's so good it's one of the most beautiful cartoons animated wise and then the story is just a, a, amazing just the way that they blend kind of 
not it's not steampunk, but it's kind of in that kind of a mindset where they're blending technology with magic with you know old times and Ugh. modern times. Um, it's just this perfect little. I don't know. Just everything about it is really cool. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to actually sit down and watch them. Even though I know they existed, and I know when the first season started, I was going to try, but I just never got around to it. There's so many things to watch in so little time. <laughs> and uh, but I remember the Avatar, the original Avatar series, and that was that was really awesome. So I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah, it's available uh, now. The third season just ended, um, and uh, it's available if you know where to find it. I think some. Well, I don't know if it's it. or not. It's because say if it's on Netflix, I'll be. <laughs> you can get it on. We, yeah, you can rent it for sure. But. We don't have Netflix down here, but I've heard that actually Netflix is coming to Australia soon. You know what they have there? Killer's got Nick Flicks. You know I mean? <laughs> Killer's got like obtain flicks. Nick them. Nick them. Okay. Well, last last question because this actually was a question I had that I was saving, but I'm going to throw it in this week because I think it ties in with something you said earlier. Um, and maybe I misinterpreted what you said. <laughs> What's something that you hate that everybody else just absolutely loves? Well, just one something? Because I have a lot of something. <laughs> <laughs> For the sake of, of time, pick one. And, Killer, you can jump in if you have anything you thought of or can think of. Also. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's a list of things. But to pick one. Because I, I can think. You know what's funny is I can think of something I love that everybody else kind of hates, but I now can't think of anything. <laughs> I don't want to have the question. I came up with this one. This is one of my old questions. I just never have asked because I didn't have the right group of people. But um, I put y'all on the spot. Yeah, yeah. we're gonna have to. It's, we need cricket noises and then the Jeopardy theme. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I'll start with. Go ahead. No, go right ahead. I was just saying, Killer doesn't edit, so. No, no editing here, mate. It's this is the real thing. We don't muck around here. All right. Well, I'll start with my number one uh, that that I think of constantly is I hate Michael Bay. He's destroying our childhood. Oh. Well, that's an easy one. <laughs> Come on, everyone agrees with that. He's fucking real. Now, there's a lot of people who love Michael Bay movies, and um, and I understand that there's a certain level of you know coolness, coolness factor in you know like especially like the Transformers movies and everything like that. But come on, there's a time he's got to stop the turtles. No, he's fucked Dude, the turtles. Seriously, he's <laughs> gonna ruin them. Not to say I'm not gonna watch it, but right, it's same thing here. That's the problem. Is I'm still gonna watch the movie. That's one of the reasons why I hate him so much. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, but um, I'm gonna jump in and i'm gonna say i i'm kind of over and don't understand this whole dystopian phenomenon that's happening and happening in teen literature it's kind of driving me a little nuts um because first you had you know well maybe not first but first the hunger games borrowed heavily from another series of films and then you've got divergent and now the giver and i'm just i'm kind of over it and i i didn't care for what well, i've never watched any of them all the way through so i really can't comment but i guess technically but what i've seen i just was like wow okay and i just don't get it yeah i'd have to say like james cameron movies 
things like Titanic and fucking Avatar. I've still not watched yeah, Avatar. Yeah, no more Avatar. <laughs> so, um, That's always making now, he said. Everyone loves that, and I refuse to watch it. Um, that's the one that pops to my head. Like, everyone was raving about Avatar. I'm like, no, I'm not watching it. And I <laughs> I, I, I made sure, I'm like, for that reason, because everyone loved it, I don't think it was going to be a good movie. I, I've refused to watch it, so... So okay. do you think when Cameron say do you think when Cameron went to the you know the big movie giants and said hey I got an idea for a film it's going to be Dances with Wolves in Space do you think they like threw money at him or <laughs> with did giant he, Smurfs they had to throw that yeah part. yeah yeah with giant Smurfs or did he like come up with some you know more interesting way of putting it rather than the truth <laughs> as a filmmaker know. I'm not a Cameron fan I, I I mean I don't like I don't hate absolutely everything he's ever done but I don't quite get the love that everybody has but on the flip side of that i firmly respect the man for his his beliefs and kind of what he does and sticks to his he sticks to his own beliefs and he goes this is why i'm doing it i'm gonna do it this way and i respect the man i just don't get the the love and i don't understand his movies and i don't never (laughs) had any desire to see avatar and then when he said that's he can tell every story he wants to tell in that universe. So that's all he's going to make for the rest of his career. I kind of was like, oh, whatever. I'm over it. Then we're done. Yep. So completely different to Kevin Smith. So <laughs> definitely. I'm sticking to that pony. I'm I'm going for the whole ride. I even I even enjoyed Jersey Girl to some extent. So, so I'm, I. I'm, I enjoy every Kevin Smith movie, but I'm a Kevin Smith lover. Just ask my missus. Yeah. She gets the shits about it when I always mention Kevin Smith. She gets diarrhea. <laughs> so. Whenever you mention Kevin Smith? Oh, she gets annoyed. <laughs> a weird but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Kevin Smith. <laughs> and I don't care what people say. Yeah, Smogcast has changed. But still, I enjoy listening to it. Yes, he gets stoned now and he laughs a lot. Who cares? I enjoy Kevin Smith. When I got aboard the Kevin Smith train, I've been on that train forever now. So... You said you're going to blow the Kevin Smith train? No, I'm on the train, riding that train. Wait, is this a train robbery? Is it Snowpiercer? Wait, do they have horses in in <laughs> Australia? Oh, I want to see that movie. Oh, yeah, I'm I've heard about Snowpiercer. We're trying to end the show. We better not get into talking about Snowpiercer. I've heard some things about that. <laughs> it's it's worth watching from what I've heard. It's It still has its faults, but the way it was made, it was... Oh not so much independently made, but it was made by a bunch of different people around the world. And anyway. Alright, so I think this is our show. It's done. We're dusted. We can brush it off and move on. And uh, Do you have anything to pimp? <laughs> yes, sir. Jeff, give us some oh, pimping. Yeah, I, I, I'm a shameless pimper. Um, yeah, definitely. Creepercast.com for all your horror needs. The podcast isn't coming out v- right now, but I'm always posting stuff about especially if you're in an independent horror. I've also got a lot of news that I get to throw out there. One of the most recent ones, it has to it actually involves one of the discussions we had, which was about uh, crowdsourcing. There's a lot of good independent films right now that are coming out of crowdsourcing, and they give away a lot of really awesome stuff. And that's one of the benefits of being able to run a website and produce all this stuff is that I get all this stuff for free 
Oh, wait. I didn't. I said Did I say that out loud? Crap. You did. <laughs> you say you get it. You obtain it. That's the best word to use. Yeah, obtain. there we go. I obtain it. Nice. And another, new, another website that I wanted to pimp out there that is coming soon that I will also be a part of. Uh, from what I understand, especially since I am also an author and I am putting together some flash fiction, especially for this website, it's called HalloweenForevermore.com. It's run by a, a pretty well, you know, pretty well established author who's also done some movies in his own right, Mr. Terry M. West. You can find a lot of his books at Amazon.com. Anyway, Halloween Forevermore is going to be basically everything about Halloween or horror related. Basically. You know, Halloween should be around all the time, and that's the whole point of this website. And I'm hoping to get some of my flash fiction up there as well. And I think that's all I have this time around. Excellent. I concur. <laughs> and Joel, let, yes, sir. let people know where we can hear your voice in other podcasts. I know if you you're do. not sick of me by now. <laughs> um, you can find me every week on 40 Going On 14. We just did this week a show entirely dedicated to soda pop, Coke, or whatever you want to call it, depending on your... Soft drink. Soft drink. We don't call it soda here, or pop, or any of that. It's called soft drink. It was surprisingly entertaining, though. I mean, just talking about that for an entire show, I wasn't sure, but it it turned into quite the episode. Um, And then, of course, I also do the Sunshine Happy Pants Hour, which is my weekly six-song musical show. Um, This last week, I did a show dedicated to Robin Williams at the request of Sheena, who, if you're in the podcast community, you know Sheena. Um, should know Sheena. And so this week, I've got uh, another show planned that uh, should be a good time, featuring uh, music by Spring Clock Wonder, who I'm very excited to showcase once again. So, uh, right. yeah. Um, who's our guest? Uh, our, sorry, Ooh, wrong word. Who's our third co-host for next week? Oh, I forgot. I'm so excited. Next week, we have our first in-studio. Well, not first. Actually, you've had in-studio before, I think, haven't you? Mm. Did we do an in-studio there? Maybe not. No, we haven't. But, yes, I know who you're talking about. This is why I've tried to lead you into this. (laughs) Uh, Mickey from Georgia will be in town living at my establishment. She'll be living in my home. Um for several days, actually. So she will be here for the recording of this show as a co-host. She will be here for an episode of The Pants, and she will also be uh, here for an episode of 40 Going on 14. So She's um, going to do the range. She's just going to. Yes. And she's already done the mediocre show, so she's becoming a bit of a podcast star. Alumni. <laughs> she, she has her own show eventually. And then Sea uh, Monkey will be coming back in a couple weeks to follow up to his kind of uh, short short change that uh, happened Last thanks week. to my ineptness and no. whatnot. But, uh, it it, it and was then, what uh, it was, mate. There's no problem with what happened last week, but yep, we'll get Sea Monkey back soon with you in studio so he can give you a lot of shit like he was last week and you, <laughs> you were not hearing it. <laughs> and if anybody would like to come join us as a co-host, we still have a, a rampantly large list of names that we're going down, but I'm opening it up um, to anybody who is interested either as a repeat co-host or as a new co-host. Whether you, all you need is a microphone, Skype, some free time on a Friday or Saturday in America, Saturday or Sunday in uh, Australia, and um, a computer, preferably, because having Skype and yeah. a microphone would be hard without a computer. But uh, shoot us an email or a voicemail, text message, call, write, drop by, whatever. I don't care. Jump on You're our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thecoffinjoecast.com. 
voicemail 661-434-5956 661-434-KWJO or our email address coffinjocast at gmail gmailcast coffinjocast <laughs> at gmail.com and you there you go you outdid me with the voicemail because I already brought up our page so I know what the voicemail was I was going to say it <laughs> oh sorry uh, I had it set on my computer so I could actually say it this time this week I'm well, actually we going to uh, we're going to have some living end I don't think nice. I've played Living End yet. Mm-hmm. So, one of my favourite Australian bands, Living End, Pictures in the Mirror. Uh, okay, so thanks for joining us, Jeff. Yes. Okay, thanks for having me. All right, so we're going to leave you with... All right, keep it creepy, everybody. No, always creepy. We're all creepy people <laughs> around here. Creepy. creepy, creepy, creepy. You come to my country. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. There you go. There's all the normals. All right, so, well... See you next week, people. Here comes Living End. You know we tried to make you understand. We tried to make you realize. Her fame is down and time is up. Somehow it don't seem enough Cause the world wouldn't listen anymore Caught by social evil Was it streetwise after all? Was she there at all? Pictures in the mirror Pictures she never knew Pictures in the mirror
dirty, dirty boy.